You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. Hey, good, good morning again. If, uh, if I haven't met you, I'm Doug Ferguson. I'm the pastor here at Huntersville Presbyterian. So, so glad you're here, whether you're in the room or joining us online. So glad you're here with us this morning and uh, real excited. We're going to celebrate communion at the, uh, toward the end of the service. Let me give you just a couple of instructions real quick, and uh, so I wanted to do that then. Um, after I've done the words of institution, I'm going to invite elders to come forward, and they'll be standing at the end of either aisle, and one will have a, a, a tray of bread and the other a tray with cups of juice. And what we'd ask you to do is come down the center aisles, take the bread and the juice, and then go back out along the outside aisles, and that'll just help traffic kind of flow. Does that make sense? Y'all got it? Y'all will figure it out, and if you don't, it'll, it'll all work out anyway. So uh, pray with me if you would. Uh, Lord, thank you for this table that you invite us to, and thank you for the love that prepared it. Thank you for the love that you show us um, every day, and, and your amazing grace that we experience in so many ways. Lord, would you come with that sort of grace now, and open our hearts. As, as we open your word today, Lord, would you open our hearts to truths that you would teach us that might help us better take hold of that amazing grace and this amazing life that you hold out for us. And so we ask you to do that, Lord Jesus, for we pray it in your name and for your glory alone. Amen. So let me ask you a question. If, uh, if Jesus was here right now, and he is, because we believe when we gather in his name, he promised he'd be present with us. But I want you to imagine if, if Jesus was here right now, and here in the kind of way that you could grab him and grab a cup of coffee in the breezeway and go sit out on the patio. And by the way, it's a gorgeous day after the service is over. You ought to grab a cup of coffee and go sit out on the patio. But if you could get Jesus and you know, just go grab a cup of coffee with him and you sit there on the patio... And you could ask Jesus for one thing. What would you ask him for? And just think about that for a moment. If you, you, know, you and Jesus, you're sitting there having a cup of coffee on the patio, and you could ask him for just one thing. What is it that you might ask him for? Now, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to come back to it toward the end of the message. Uh, if you've been with us this year, we are making our way slowly, week by week, through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation. Uh, last week, we looked at one of the most familiar stories in the Bible, the story about this shepherd kid named David who defeats a giant named Goliath. And uh, we learned, if, if you were here with us, we learned four essential steps for defeating any giant that may show up in your life. And David's life, and the moment he defeated that giant, I mean, it just is filled with so, so, so much. We could spend weeks just unpacking the stories of David's life after he defeated Goliath. But we're going to do something a little bit different today, and uh, we're going to spend a few weeks thinking about David. But today, we're going to jump way ahead to the New Testament, and we're going to look at what happened to David's name to the name of David, and the way the name of David is going to get used generations after David reigned as king. 
Uh, the other morning, in, uh, in our, we have a Wednesday morning men's group. You guys, we'd love to have you join us, 6.30, meet over in the attic. And, uh, and the other day, I asked some of the guys in the group, I wrote these down, I asked them, what was their nicknames when, when they were growing up? And among the guys in the group, we had a catfish and a Jamal, a duchess, a moose, a man bear, and B.O. Yeah. And one of those names is mine, actually, and I'm not going to tell you which one. Um, now, Jesus didn't exactly have a nickname, although Jesus loved nicknames. He called James and John Sons of Thunder and uh, called a guy named Simon Rock. And so, I mean, Jesus liked nicknames. He didn't really have nicknames, but there were other names that Jesus went by, uh, kind of given to him by the people, and one of those names was Son of David. Everybody say that. Son of David. Jesus was known as the son of David. You remember the Christmas story when Mary and Joseph, they have to go to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem because it is the city of, who knows, David, city of David. And Joseph was, was the house in the lineage of David. David was in Jesus' family tree. And, and one of the names he gets called throughout the New Testament is son of David. In fact, and we're going to sit on, on this part in a minute, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Grab a Bible if you would, find that. I mean, uh, Matthew, Matthew begins the New Testament, and the very first verse of the New Testament, Matthew 1.1, uh, goes like this. It says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus, the who? Son of David. Jesus was, begin, New Testament begins with Jesus as the son of David. If you were to flip to the very last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, in the last recorded words of Jesus in Scripture, this is what Jesus says about himself. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the, this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring, or you could read that as the son of who? David. And the bright morning star. Nobody called Jesus the son of Moses or the son of Elijah or the son of Jacob. But from the very opening line of the New Testament until you get to the very last recorded words of Jesus, he is often referred to as the son of David. And the more I've studied this, and the more I've thought about it and, and prayed about it, I am convinced that buried in this name, Son of David, are two reasons that give us a reason for hope. And, and that's what I want to share with you today. Why we can find hope through the fact that Jesus is the Son of David. And, and you guys know this, hope and I'm not talking about that wishful thinking kind of hope, like I hope Bryce Young turns out to be the quarterback that can take the Panthers back to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that's the kind of hope. But, but I'm talking about that, that deeper sort of hope, that, that hope that is grounded in the truth of who God is and, and grounded in his love for me. That sort of hope, it, you know this, I mean, it is one of the strongest forces in the entire universe. I mean, when you have that kind of hope, I mean, you can overcome any obstacle, any loss, you can survive any setback, you can endure almost anything. Well, you can endure anything if you have that sort of hope. Hope is just one of the most powerful forces, and we all need hope. 
But you know this as well. Hope can be so easy to lose. You just scroll through the headlines, and sometimes it feels like we're living in a hopeless world. The doctors get the test results, and it's not good. And they're kind of out of options. You've got that child who's making bad decisions. No matter what you say, you just can't get through to them. Someone you love, they, they've, they've hurt you d- deeply, and you, you're just not sure that the wounds are ever going to heal. Bills keep piling up, and you don't know how you're going to pay them. I mean, there's so much that goes on in, in, in the midst of our lives that we need hope. But, but it's so easy to lose, but we, but we need this kind of hope. That, again, not wishful thinking, but this hope that's grounded in who God is and in his love for you and for me. Because that sort of hope is what we need to, to kind of face whatever is, might be going on in our lives. We, we desperately, desperately need this sort of hope. And Jesus offers us hope. Again, and I, I believe that this title that he's given, this nickname, Son of David, gives us clues for why we can find hope in Jesus. So I just want to unpack. What we're going to do today, I'm just going to unpack the name Son of David. I'll give you two reasons within the Son of David that, that you and I can have hope. You ready for them? Two reasons. Just two things you've got to remember today. So here's the first one. Son of David is a reminder of Jesus' humanity. The title, Son of David, it was a reminder of Jesus' humanity. Jesus was a real person with a real family, real flesh and blood, lived live life just, just like you and I do. Uh, one of the early church leaders, a tent-making missionary named uh, Paul. Uh, Paul, I once heard someone refer to him as the talented tent-maker from Tarsus, which I just like the alliteration of that. Uh, he described Jesus this way in a letter he wrote to Jesus' followers living in Rome. He says that the good news, the gospel about Jesus, uh, Jesus is the one who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power. Jesus was the Son of God. He was divine in every way, but he was also the Son of David, fully human in every way, with a real human family. So if you still got Matthew 1, you know, open in front of you, uh, Matthew 1, Matthew begins with this long genealogy, this whole list of names of who begat who and who begat who after that. And, uh, and those of us who have been reading through the Bible all year, and, and some of us are doing this, um, we've seen lists like this in Chronicles and Numbers, this, these long list of names of you know, who, who's the descendant of who. And, and you, some people love this sort of stuff. One of our daughters a few years ago, she got really into family genealogy and tracing our ancestry. She traced the Ferguson line back to the early 1400s, a guy named Malcolm Ferguson. And she discovered that my 11th great-grandfather, so put 11 greats in front of grandfather, was actually a Presbyterian pastor. Uh, he served just north of Edinburgh in, in Scotland. She actually got to visit his grave a number of years ago. A guy by the name of David Ferguson, buried in a little abbey outside of Edinburgh. And he was described as being, I love this, he was described as being a good preacher, wise, with a cheerful disposition and clever wit. And I read that and I thought, genetics is real. I mean, this, <laughs> this, this stuff that just gets passed on from generation after generation. At any rate, so Matthew begins Jesus' life with this long list of ancestors, with this genealogy. And you and I might think, that's not exactly the best way to capture a reader's attention. But the people of Jesus' day, they loved this kind of stuff. They, they just absolutely loved it. 
Uh, genealogy is what they use to establish their identity as God's people, as, as the people of Israel. Now, when, when you read through this list, you've got it open in front of you, and you kind of look just a long list of names. A couple things you need to know about genealogies in, in general during that day. Uh, first thing, a, a genealogy would only contain the names of Jewish people. Because the whole point of the genealogy was to prove the purity of your bloodline. So you'd never include anyone who isn't Jewish. Uh, you'd also never include anyone but men. Women just didn't have any rights at that time. And so to tell you who someone's mom was, that would just be completely irrelevant. And then finally, you would leave out all the messy people. And we do this sometimes when we tell our own family stories. You know, you just, you don't include people that, you know, you don't want to talk about. And, and so those were just sort of accepted practices when you would write a genealogy. Only Jews, only men, only the, you know, the kind of the ancestors you're proud of. But Matthew starts writing this genealogy of Jesus, and, and if you've got it open there in front of you, you, you don't get very far into it, and you come across the name of a woman named Tamar. A woman. And she's not Jewish. And, and i got to tell you, if you go read her story, it's in Genesis 38. I mean, it is like an HBO kind of story. I mean, it's a not suitable for kids sort of story that takes place. It was just scandalous. And then you read a little further and you come to Rahab, another woman. And like Tamar, Rahab's not Jewish. She becomes known as sort of a hero for the Jewish people because she rescued some of the spies uh, that Israel sent out when they're heading into the promised land. But she had a past that nobody liked to talk about. Uh, you, you read down a little further, and you get to Ruth. Now, Ruth has a wonderful story of faithfulness and commitment. But again, she's a woman, and she's not Jewish. And then you get to David. And, and David gets this detail added that his mother, his son Solomon's mother, was dead Uriah's wife. And, and everyone who read that, they would have caught the reference to a time when David gave in to temptation and he had an affair with this woman Bathsheba and she gave birth to a son and David had her husband Uriah killed to try to cover it all up. I mean, just this messy, messy story. David gets described uh, throughout the scriptures as this man after God's own heart and David did. David loved God with everything he had, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And David had some highs that were really, really high. But David had lows that were really, really low. David experienced just some incredible moments in his relationship with God, but David had some struggles within his own family. Uh, one of his sons rebels against him, tries to take the throne from him. Another one of his sons takes advantage of his sister. David has so much blood on his hands that God won't allow him to build the temple. And this reference to Bathsheba and, and dead Uriah's wife, I mean, it, it's just a reminder of, of how low David could go. And yet Matthew, 
Matthew includes all this in his genealogy. Women with a sketchy past. Women who are part of a scandalous story. Women who aren't even Jews. Uh, Matthew, as he tells the genealogy, he wants to tell you, hey, uh, David's part of the, do- the story too. But do you remember what he did? And then how he tried to cover it up? Do you, do you remember the depths of David's sin? Ma- Matthew just puts it all, all in the story. And here's what I am convinced Matthew is doing. Matthew wants you to know right from the start that this good news about Jesus that he's going to tell you, it's about a guy, Jesus, who is not like anyone else you might have expected. He's not someone who's afraid of of messy families and messy people and and, and people with a past. Uh, Matthew wants you to know right away that the son of David... I mean, he understands, he really understands what it means to be human. What what it means to have a family, to have history. Uh, Matthew wants you to know that Jesus didn't come for just sort of, you know, kind of spiritual superstars. Jesus came for sorry sinners like his great, 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 great grandfather David and you and me. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I'd love for you to follow me. I choose you to come and follow me. It it doesn't matter what you've done. It it doesn't matter where you've been. I I want you, you you who just can't imagine that God would ever want to associate with someone like you. I want you who just maybe you're caught up believing that your sin is just so scandalous that God could never forgive it. Jesus says, I want you to come and follow me. And and if you think your life's a mess or your family's a mess, I get it. I understand. Jesus says, I understand. (laughs) Look at mine. Just look at mine. Jesus is fully God, the Son of God, but he's fully human. Jesus is the Son of David not because David was perfect, because he wasn't. And, and so when I hear the title, Son of David, it is a reminder that Jesus was really human. Real flesh, real blood, lived a real life in a real world just like you and I do. And when my life gets a little messy or my family's life gets a little messy, I know that Jesus, the Son of David, he, he gets it. I mean, he understands. That's the first reason that I have hope. Here's the second one. The son of David was a title of hope. It's a title of expectation. It's actually a title of hope. Again, David's life, David had highs and David had lows, and they were as high as you could go and as low as you could go. But when the people of Israel would look back during the reign of David, It wasn't just a golden age, it was the golden age. Uh, First king of Israel was a guy named Saul, and Saul turned out to be kind of a disappointment as a king, and he divides the people, and they're they're just not doing real well. But David comes along, and David actually unites the nation, and under David's rule, Israel experienced sort of this unprecedented season of prosperity and this deep, deep devotion with God. 
David unites all the people and he defeats their enemy and life's just as good as it gets. And when people look back on it, they go, that was the golden age. I mean, that, that was the golden age. And then David's son Solomon comes along and things continue to go pretty well, but mostly because Solomon's just kind of living on the accomplishments of his dad, David. Because after Solomon, everything just falls apart. The nation gets ripped in half, divided into two kingdoms. you got Israel up here in the north and Judah down here in the south. And sometimes they'd go to war against each other. And they both got their own sets of kings. And they both just keep drifting further and further away from God. And eventually both of them get overrun by other nations, carried off into exile. And when they finally do return home, They're always under the oppression of of some other nation, the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Romans. And and they're just living in in this time, just getting always oppressed by somebody else. But they would look back to not a golden age, to the golden age, to the reign of David. And they would hope for a king that would come and be a king like David was. And they believed that God had promised that because God had told David over and over again, I am going to establish your throne and, and you will always have a descendant sit upon it. And so they're kind of waiting, hopefully waiting, waiting with expectation for this descendant of David to come and, and to reestablish this golden age. And so this title, the son of David, it becomes a symbol of the hope that they have for the future. Now you get to the first century and, and Jesus is born and the glory of Israel is long gone. I mean, it is just a distant memory. And nothing is the way it's supposed to be and nothing is the way that God had promised. But the hope of Israel remained that someday, someday we're going to have a king. A king like David. A king who will sit on David's throne. Someday we're going back to the glory days. Back to the golden days. And, and they would refer to that king, uh, they, they'd call him the root of Jesse. Jesse was David's uh, dad. Or, or they'd call him the son of David. Or they'd call him the Messiah. Uh, the word Messiah simply means anointed, the way that Samuel had anointed David. And so they kept waiting for the son of David. Just wait. That was their hope. That was their hope. That one day the son of David would, would return. And then Jesus shows up, but most people don't recognize him. Because he's, he's not what they were expecting. But a few people do recognize him. And and I am convinced that the reason they recognize him is because of how desperately they needed him. And it's interesting, when when they do recognize him, often the way they refer to him, anybody want to guess, is as the son of David. Again, Matthew writes this good news. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector, left it all behind, start following Jesus. He, he writes this first account that we have in the New Testament of Jesus' life, the good news about Jesus according to Matthew. Uh, in chapter 9, Matthew tells a story. Jesus is leaving a, the, the house of a synagogue leader. And Matthew says that two blind men followed him, and they calling out, have mercy on us who? Son of David. 
Have mercy on us, son. these two blind guys calling. Have mercy on us, son of David. Uh, a little bit later in chapter 15, Matthew tells the story about this Syrophoenician woman, Canaanite woman, um, not even Jewish. She's not even Jewish. And she comes to Jesus crying out for her sick daughter. She says, Lord, and then she adds, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly. Uh, another gospel writer, Mark, Mark wrote about a time that a blind man named Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is passing by. And so Bartimaeus starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the good religious people told him, shh, be quiet, hush, don't talk. Jesus is talking. And you know what Bartimaeus did? He just yelled louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love this. This is the coolest story, one of the coolest stories in the Bible. Jesus stops and he tells the disciples, hey, bring Bartimaeus over here to me. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Could you imagine that? Can you just imagine that? Can you imagine the son of David asking you right now? So what is it you want me to do for you? I mean, here's what real, real is clear. The son of David, he's not too busy. He's not preoccupied. He, he, he doesn't mind being interrupted. In fact, he loves it when his children cry out to him. Because he loves to give them hope. And he loves to respond to that hope. The two blind guys who cried out, they got their sight back. Bartimaeus, he gets his sight back. The, the mom who's crying out for her daughter, her daughter gets healed. But the son of David, he's, he's not too busy. He's not preoccupied. He doesn't mind being interrupted. He loves it when his daughters and his sons cry out. He loves to give them hope. He loves to respond to that hope. So let me go back to where we started. It's beautiful Sunday and beautiful Sunday. I thought it was going to rain today. Beautiful day. So you and Jesus, we finish up in here. Y'all grab a cup of coffee. We got really good coffee, by the way. Thanks for whoever made it this morning. They said it is good. And um, you grab a cup of coffee. Y'all just go grab a seat out on the patio. And the son of David, he looks at you and he says, what, what, what would you want me to do for you today? Maybe it's a place you need healing. Healing your body, healing your heart, healing for someone you love or, or for yourself. And, and maybe what you'd ask him for is, is, is for healing. Maybe what you need is peace. I know, I, I talked to you during the week. Some of you are so worried and, and you're afraid and you're anxious and, and it's just, it, it kind of consumes you at times. And, and maybe what you'd ask him for is just a sense of peace. Or, or maybe you're just missing joy in your life. I was talking to someone the other day and they just, they said, you know, just kind of feel like they're going through the motions and what, what they need more than anything is just kind of a renewed sense of joy. The son of David 
I mean, he's asking you, what, 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 what do you want me to do for you? Now, li listen, let, let me just say, and I, I say this every time we, we talk about this. We don't, our prayers don't always get answered the way we want them to, not, or in the timing that we want them to. I've got things in my life I've been praying for for decades, and, and, and I'm still waiting, waiting for Jesus' response, waiting for, for how he, he's, he's going to respond to that. But my hope is grounded in my deep trust in who God is and in his love for me. And so I can trust him when, when the answers aren't exactly what, what I thought they might be. And I can trust him enough to, that when he asks me, well, what would you want me to do for you, to, to be really honest with him and to tell him what's on my heart. Do I need healing? Do I need restoration? Do I need... Do I need that relationship restored? I, I didn't think it was possible to have it restored. Do, do I need the kind of peace that only you can provide? So here you are. It's you and Jesus. Out on the patio, grab a cup of coffee. What is it that you would ask him to do for you? I'm to give you just a moment to really kind of think about that. Do this for me if you would. Just close your eyes right where you are. Just, just close your eyes. And, and, and try to let everyone else in the room, just let all that get out of the way. It's just you and the son of David. And what he did for the two blind men and for Bartimaeus and for the mom. And he'll do that for you because he loves you. Oh, he loves you. More, so, so much more than you can begin to imagine he loves you. And the son of David is looking at you and, and he's just asking you, what, so, so tell me. What, what is it you'd want me to do for you? Lord, here in the quiet of the, this room, we come before you just like Bartimaeus did. And we place our hope in you, the son of David, who, who really understands what it means to be human, what it means to be living in, in a messy world with messy lives and messy families. We, we, we come here just, just like Bartimaeus did. And, and you ask us, Lord, what we would ask you to do for us. Lord, you know the answer even before we speak it because you know us so well. And yet you still invite us to, to lay it before you. Our, our need for healing or our need for restoration or for provision, our need for wisdom or direction or courage for a peace that's beyond what the world can understand, for a joy that, that's so much deeper than, than anything, just the kind of happiness dependent upon circumstances. Lord, and just the, the quiet of this space, just, just here with you, and, and you are here because we've gathered in your name and you promised you would be. Lord, we just lay open our hearts before you.
the son of David in whom we place our hope. trust in who you are and we trust in your love for us and we make these requests before you in your name Amen You know every time we come to this table Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church Here at HBC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvilleprez.org.